Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com So before we start the episode tonight, we do have a request for you. Our first episode in October will be our one-year anniversary, which we are so excited about. It's so wild, and we want to celebrate with you guys. So do you have a fun story to tell us about a movie that we've covered that traumatized you as a kid? Are you a former, potentially a future guest, and your film was already taken? Or do you just want to tell us hi and that we're badasses? I mean, obviously, but we like to hear it from you. Um, if so, please send us a short audio clip and we might include it and talk about it in our one year anniversary episode. Yeah. Instructions and the link to the Google submission form will be included in our show notes all September. And if you are following us on our Twitter account, we're on, which is at Scarred Podcast, we are talking about it uh, all the time. So as always, thank you so much for listening. And on with the show. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Drea Washington, a freelance photographer and videographer. She's also the co-host for the Scream Queen podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to uh, to talk to you. Um, and I think that the movie <laughs> that we're talking tonight uh, feels a little prescient, maybe. <laughs> Just um, a tad. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but before we do get into that, uh, we always like to take it back to the beginning. How did you get into horror? Um, I mean, honestly, probably having like two older brothers and I kind of mm. just watched whatever they watched and <laughs> I had, older um, brothers are good for that. Yeah, for sure. They don't pay attention. So I was saying <laughs> a lot of stuff I wasn't supposed to. Um, and yeah, I had an aunt, my aunt Debbie, she was a horror fanatic and recorded everything on VHS. So yeah. Bless I those cool lot. aunts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what were a few of your um, horror favorites growing up? Um, well, actually, she gave me um, the original VHS that had um, it had killer clowns from outer space on it. <gasps> oh my and, god! Um, 
um, it, it was a it was a mashup. Me and my cousin loved this one particular tip because it had Hitler clowns from outer space, and then it was like Revenge of the Nerds, and then it was like uh, <laughs> Flying Purple People Eater. So there was only like Jeez. one. For, wow. They were all, like one of the last one is technically a horror film, even though it's not supposed to be. Yeah, Killer Clowns is a number one for me for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed uh, on Instagram that you were in that that uh, Killer Clown shirt. I, <laughs> you know, it's a movie that I that we I think Mary Beth and I both saw it for the first time last year when we, yeah. we covered oh, it wow. for the podcast. But man, what a fun movie! I miss those days of like practical effects and yeah, and puppetry and yeah. I'm glad people are starting to like bring practical effects back because yeah, that's just where it's at. You know, most of my favorite movie monsters were you know, created by somebody's hands, not by CGI. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny. None of my friends want to watch that movie. I'm like, why not? It's why? so fun. I think it's they're so like, good. I think they're like, oh, it's cheesy. I'm like, but the that's the best part. The soundtrack's so good. It's the it's, dickies. Mm. Like, it's yes. really good. And like, the clown design is so cool and weird. Mm-hmm. And there's cotton candy cocoons. I mean, come on, guys. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so do you remember what your fir- very first horror movie was? Um, I was told that my parents took me to. Well, I was in the theater as a baby when they went to all go see Alien. Aliens. Oh jeez. Oh my yeah. god. So I was thought I was in the theater, and apparently I didn't even act up or anything. I was just kicking it. <laughs> I don't have any recollection of that. So I mean, it didn't have like. I don't think it had an effect on me, but I mean, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe then. <it didn't. laughs> so- some weird subconscious thing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's in the back of my mind somewhere for sure. Just like a little alien egg just nesting there ready to pop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you've been a fan since like you were a, like a toddler then. Yeah, forever. Well, and then, yeah. um, yeah, I think one of the one of the, the moments that I realized like, okay, I get this horror thing was um, one of my – the middle child and we all know the middle ch- children are just <laughs> – <laughs> I'm sorry if I knew you were middle children, but anyway, no. Like my experience there, very, uh, they can do some very devious shit. But my brother, <laughs> he locked me in a in a bathroom and told me that, uh, or he locked me in my parents' room, told me that Chucky was going to get me because it was oh, child's no. play was t- playing on the TV oh, at no. the time it had just came out, and he was like, and he wouldn't let me out the room. And I just, um, I ran and I hid in my parents' bathroom and I fell asleep and I, I woke up and I was still there. I'm like, oh okay, so I'm good. Chucky and I was like me. three or four. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. Wow, siblings! Siblings are a gift. Oh uh, sure, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I love my brothers, but they're nuts. Yeah. So, as an adult, what what draws you to horror now? Um, I think it's like the most honest genre you can get away with yeah. the, the most. Uh, yeah, because I think you have to follow certain guidelines in drama and straight comedy and whatever, but. Uh, con- uh, in horror, you can just do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I always, I always look at horror as kind of like a mercurial or like an additive. Like you can attach it to anything, and it allows you to do things that, like, like you said, straight comedies or straight dramas don't let you do. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and you know, and it's an insult that it, even though like I don't give a shit about award shows, it is yeah. a slap in the face. You know that they don't yeah. take horror films seriously, ex- except for like best makeup department or whatever, best right. costumes. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I used to be all about the award shows, but but as I, I've gotten older, I realized that they're really not <laughs> anything yeah. that really cool. But it is sad when like Tony Collette doesn't get nominated, or oh for sure, or like Lupita <laughs> with like us last year. I yeah, mean, that was yeah. a huge oversight. Yeah, I mean she's playing like multiple characters, and oh uh, man. So do you still uh, get that childhood fear watching horror? Or are you? Um, I get the excitement. 
Yeah. 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 That, you know, that, that will kind of never go away. I don't get like legit scared of horror films mm-hmm. I'm, unless it's like more psychological then you know that's mm. different but um as far as like your str- straightforward you know jump scares and all that like I'm I'm a fan of it and I'll never get over that stuff but um yeah maybe I'm not approaching it the same way as I did when I was a little bit younger but it's still a thrill Yeah Um do you have any favorite movies as as an adult horror movies as an adult Um yeah or ones that you've seen recently that like just like wowed you yeah, me and Tommy, uh, recently we watched this Brazilian werewolf film called Good Manners. <gasps> oh, oh, my it's God. It's so good. Oh, did you guys like that? Yes. I love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. We were, got, we were really blown away by that. Yeah, the, the interplay of, like, both, like, gender and also, like, uh, class and, and different race, like, race, like, everything. That movie covered a lot. It in covered its, a lot. Runtime. And they had the nerve to have, like, musical numbers in it. And it I was, was good. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a lesbian werewolf musical. And, like, yeah. what else? See, like, I never knew I needed it. Yeah. But it's no amazing. I it's that. so good. Yeah. They were just dealing with so many topics, you know, interracial love and... Uh, dealing with, you know, just classism and there's a lot going on in that film. Yeah. There really is. And it really surprised me when it's like basically like in two and we get to see the yeah. future of that. And like, it's, it's such a fascinating film. I, I think it's mm-hmm. overlooked a lot. It really is. It, I mean, I remember seeing, um, it was like a year or two ago, I read about it. And then as soon as like just a little excerpt, I was hooked, you know, and then mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything about the film. And apparently, you know, it came out and it had rave reviews in the few festivals that it played at, but just didn't get any. I don't know what happened with it. It's unfortunate. That's the problem with with fe- a lot of festival films is that like they get, some of them get either rave reviews or they come, you know, they hit hard and then it's like no one picks it up or mm-hmm. no one does anything with it. And then it just sort of like all of a sudden appears on VOD without any fanfare. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, you know, thank- thanks to Mubi. Do you guys use Mubi? And oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. how I found out about it. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they are, they've been doing a pretty good job of like putting some interesting horror and just... Like I love lesbian gay shit, so just put mm-hmm. all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Same. Just give it to me. They just recently put out uh, Xavier Dolan's new uh I want to see that. I do, yeah. too. I haven't watched it yet. I've, ha- I've had the screener for a minute, and I just haven't had a which, chance. Cause which one is that? It's uh, it's Math- Matthias and Maxime, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Something like that, yeah. And like it's one of those that I didn't think was ever going to come here to the United States. And so mm-hmm. the fact that like movie picked it up, I think... I think it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm glad you actually said that. I'm gonna watch that later. Yeah, I think it just came out like last week, maybe. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um. So, do, do you remember the last film that actually really scared you, or reminded you, or brought you back to being a kid and watching? Um. Hmm. I mean, besides Maniac Cop. <laughs> yeah, the, that shit is traumatizing. Um. Besides that, I'm trying to think what has really like shook me to the core anything remote um there was this show that didn't get enough fanfare that in my opinion it was called channel zero Um, oh yes yes. fucking channel zero so yeah me and tom we were going to cover um the dream door um, okay that's my next episode but um yeah so which one is your favorite um uh it's between the first one uh with the puppets Mm -hmm. And um, I did like the butcher. What is it called? The the butcher block or something like that. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. that's what it's called. Yeah, butcher's block. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one, and that, and the 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 no end or whatever. The second one was kind of off. I liked parts of it, 
that cul-de-sac one where oh, the, the yeah. house. Oh, yeah. It was I like weird. The yeah. yeah. And then it just kind of goes off. It just kind of lost its point. But, um, but yeah, definitely the dream door is my favorite. And I, but that's, that scene in the butcher's block where, um, that kid gets chased down by the little person with the baby mm. mask on. Oh, <laughs> that was really scary. That shit scared me. It scared the shit out of me is what I have to say. <laughs> um, so we kind of talked about Tommy. Can you tell us about your podcast that you do with him? Uh, Scream Queen? Yeah. Um, so Tommy and I, we've known each other for like almost, uh, probably over 10 years now. Wow. And we've, um, we met in San Diego and we've always just would be those, the ones at, in, at the corner of the party or, you know, on the side, just like <laughs> gabbing about shit. And, Hell yeah. you know, um, and we usually we'd find ourselves talking about horror films and whatnot. So, um, he came back from New York and, Immediately, you know, we met up a few years ago and that we've been talking about it. He said as soon as, you know, he had got his uh, Food for Thought podcast, you know, rolling, he was Mm -hmm. ready to do this. So, you know, and that's what he did. So, you know, I just kind of got things ready and kept doing, you know, my my usual just watching an abundance of of horror films. And I had all the content to bring and he had all the the ways to, to show me how to get the podcast going. And yeah, it's just been working ever since then. We have... I think we have really good chemistry and we just crack each other up. You do. That's one thing. And that's, I'm, I was going to ask you before you mentioned it, um, how long you guys have known each other because the chemistry on the show is what really sells uh, the, what you guys are doing. I, I love it so much. Oh, thanks. Yeah. People, I mean, we, we're kind of like siblings, basically. We talk a lot of <laughs> shit. We're way worse. In, like, <laughs> we're so mean to each other, but like, it's all love. <laughs> I mean, when you know people for 10 years, I mean, <laughs> He's so mad at me. I um, I scared the shit out of my mom yesterday. I and- saw that. I love that you on Instagram. Oh my god. He's so mad at me. He's like, he's like, did Nita put you out of the house? Like, cause she should. And <laughs> he, he just always has my mom's back. But it's whatever. She brought did it you on find those, uh, those two? Because basically, you, you put two like kids at, at the end of the hallway. And it was uh, two werewolves. werewolves. Yeah, and I got ah. them. Out. Yeah, was, and they're terrifying. Actually, like the, what they say, they're like it, they're really horrible. Uh, but I love them. Um, they, I got them at Home Depot. My brother, I showed my brother and I was like, look, they have like a thriller, like knockoff werewolf. He's like, oh, give me one. <laughs> and so my dad, my parents went up there and they were like, hey, uh, we're here. Do you want us to get one? I'm like, get two. And so um, they brought him home and like I put him away in my room. That I'm staying with my parents right now, like for like another week. And so I like stored them away and I even scared myself with them. Like when I came back into my room, like, holy shit, like where did this come from? <laughs> And then I started taking pictures of them and I was listening and I started like listening to their little phrases and they were like really demonic. And then I was like, oh, I should take like some shining pictures of them and like put them in the hallway. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, it'd be really great if I could figure out a way to get my mom to come down the hallway. (laughs) And it just worked literally within five minutes. Like I was walking up front and I had them all positioned and I was, and my mom was like, oh, I need to go here, put this in your room. I'm like, oh, I got to go this way. Can you go put it in my room? (laughs) And, and I just followed her with the camera, and it was like just like that, like magic. So it was perfect. Yeah, I just I just watched the video, and I said, like, "Your mom's re- like the hop in the air, and the, oh shit, oh my god, <laughs> oh man, yeah, oh my god, I love it so much." Yeah, yeah, she brought it on herself. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, that's. That's why Tommy loves me, because I'm a hot-ass mess. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, honestly, that's like, I feel like that's a great way to have fun in quarantine. Like, what else are we going to do? Just exactly. scare the shit out of each other. And exactly. all good fun, obviously. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I can't believe me and my parents have made it this long in quarantine. <laughs> have you been staying with your parents the whole time? Yeah, yeah, actually, oh. I came down from LA thinking like, oh, I'm going to go back in a few weeks because this is going to calm down. And then a week into it, I'm like, oh, this is going to get worse. So I'm yeah. not going anywhere. And I live like right in the heart of downtown LA. And it's just like, oh. it's a mess down there. It, well, it was during like the, like the protests and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm ready to get back because I just I, I feel like I'm on vacation here and I need to get working. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like every day is exactly the same. It feels like. Um, yeah, <laughs> I keep forgetting it's September. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. it's only April. I, know. No, I, but I can't believe like, yeah, six. It's been over six months since I got down here. I can't oh, believe that. Crazy. Shit. That's so wild. It's so crazy. That's so weird. Yeah. But you guys have been ha- hanging in there, too, for quarantine. Like, uh, yeah, I, I moved into like a brand new apartment like two weeks before everything happened. So that was exciting because at least it's a nice apartment, a nicer apartment than where I was living. That's good. That's good. At least you have a nice space to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been yeah. real lucky that my job is allowing me to, to continue to telework. So it's but it, it's it's one of those things where it's like every day just feels like the last one. And I'm like, I don't even mm-hmm. it, without this podcast, I would not even know what day it was. <laughs> Honestly, I, that, yeah, true, true. I, what is a day? I do what not is know. A day? <laughs> I I found your show when I on well, I found it through Food for Thought, and then mm-hmm. it was on um like everywhere you get podcasts. But you guys are on season three, and you guys are doing it on YouTube now. Yeah, um, we kind of just had to do it backwards. You know, everything got so uh, wishy washy. We're releasing the podcast version this week, actually. Oh, um, okay. So it's gonna go back to audio, but we're gonna keep doing YouTube as well. But we just okay. had, we just did them kind of backwards because our producers were in the middle of moving to Amsterdam and to Mexico City. Oh, wow. So they all split ways and then they're working from these places. It's just a lot. And then. Yeah. yeah. So wow. I just kind of took over the video editing and all that stuff for now. And I've been learning. So it's been a good learning experience for me. Yeah. I, you, you learn so much when you have to edit your own podcast. That's for yeah. sure. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to look at my face anymore. <laughs> I don't like, it's like I don't want to hear my voice anymore. Uh-oh. I don't want to know. It's no. like it's <laughs> Ew, this tired of your laugh. I know. <laughs> I'm, la- I'm like, is that my laugh for real? Please no. It's the worst. So what would you say is a good episode for our listeners to start with? With like to get an intro to your podcast, or what's your favorite episode? Um, probably like it's season one. Um we did a, okay. a episode on um it was called Horror Noir. Mm. black horror films and, and oh, uh, yeah. people have yeah and that's it's the documentary it's on shutter yep. so we did that and um i for, i can't remember the other thing like who our scream queen was but that really was kind of like very inspirational and helps kind of encapsulates what uh the scream queen is all about yeah awesome cool awesome. well we will definitely link to that one in our show notes as well awesome. yeah um so drea what movie are we talking about today well, when you asked me what <laughs> <laughs> stuck out of my mind, immediately what came to mind was uh, Maniac Cop. Um, Maniac yeah. Cop. So <laughs> here's a little rundown of Maniac Cop. Mm-hmm. A uniformed police officer begins killing people on the streets of New York City. There we go. <laughs> Lieutenant <laughs> McRae believes it's someone on the force and begins investigating the truth behind the murders. Meanwhile, a young cop named Jack Forrest finds himself as the chief suspect and is forced to team up with his girlfriend, Teresa Mallory and McRae, to get to the bottom of the murders before the maniac cop strikes again. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So this is a touchy subject yes, <laughs> for a yes. lot of reasons. <laughs> yes, it sure is. And man, was it something watching it in 2020. Oh, but, holy shit. <laughs> um, but going back again to the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, tell us your uh, your horror story about this movie. How old were you? How did you see it? Paint okay. us a picture. Okay, here's the funny thing. I think <laughs> I actually, though, okay, so I rewatched number one today for the first time in like, it's been like five or six years. Um, I think I got number three mixed up with number one because it was oh. a particular scene of him. And it's not even a really scary scene. And it's the end of the movie. And he gets put away. He's getting like an honor, honorable like funeral or something. It's some bullshit. And <laughs> like, how is he getting an honorable funeral? And yeah. and then they put a badge on his his casket. And then at the end, he punches through the casket and takes the badge through it. And um, it just scared the shit out of me when I was like five. <laughs> and I just remember that I was like, oh my god, he's still alive. But watching number one, like he's his face is just it's intimidating like it really like that huge ass jawline i've never seen a jawline like that in my in my life <laughs> no and i i guess the the actor actually has uh cher- cherubism it's actually oh, cherub- he, okay. his he has like a, a deformity in in his jaw where like i guess it's like a, a disease that like starts to build filament and so oh, interesting so yeah, um, and I, that's kind of how he got his like start in movies. He started playing all all the bad guys because of of his giant, his big chin, his big <laughs> face. Like he kind of got like typecast as like the villain. Oh, that's, funny. oh, that's funny, but also yeah. terrible. Yeah, that's yeah. really bad. <laughs> hey, he got a good career out of it. Yeah, he got this trilogy. And I don't know what else he was in, but. I mean, these three movies, they really, uh... He's been in 120 things. What? What? Yeah. Holy shit. A lot of them were, like, playing a lot of the, the, the again, the, kind of the bad guys. Like, he, uh, um, he was in, like, The Night Stalker. And oh. He was in Tango and Cash. He was okay. face in that. I, I've never seen Tango and Cash. I've never seen Cash, Tango but, and Cash, yeah. I, yeah, but, I've like, I've only seen The Night Stalker, like, that, that movie is really disturbing. I think I've only seen it, like, once, maybe. I don't know if I've seen that one. How could he play the Night Stalker? His that, that don't make no sense. He's, he, he's got a big ass head. He's in it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, very analytical takedown of that. He's got a big ass head. Yeah, I don't know if he was the Night Stalker. He played a character uh, called Chuck Somers. So I, I don't know. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Maybe he was a detective in it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's um he's he's had he's had quite a career. That sounds um, like it. Absolutely. Yeah, that um it was that image that stuck out to me, but I, what I realized is it, it was really like they did a good job with that character. Like, and I really like what his face turned into and in the it c- continued to turn into in the ongoing films, but I thought the makeup was really awesome and Yeah, that, so he be kind of becomes like a, a is it a, a zombie sort of like in the second one? I've only seen. I mean, this yeah. is the first time I saw this movie. Yeah, he's basically. Uh, he's yeah, he's basically uh, Jason or whatever. You know. Okay. Like yeah. they don't really explain his, the death or they don't. You know, you don't. Doesn't make sense per se. You know, he, <laughs> okay. he's like he has like supernatural powers sort of. You know, but it's not explained. That's what makes me, that makes me feel better because I was like, wait, he got into the shower fight in yeah. the prison and then he was still alive. So yeah. he just. They took him out, and then all of a sudden he was alive again. He's okay. driven by pure hate. Yeah, that's okay. basically. Yeah. yeah, I can. That seems about right for a slasher. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the first time I had seen this movie, but um, um, I remember 
I mean, as most kids of the eighties know, you know, you, you get like obsessed with box art. Mm-hmm. And I remember scrounging through like the horror section and seeing this cover and making up like stories of like what the, what movies were about when I wasn't allowed to see them. And the VHS cover of Maniac Cop terrified me as a kid because it was like this cop in silhouette, but you couldn't really see his face, which yeah. again, you don't really see his face much in the movie either. And it was those like white gloves and just like the, the title Maniac Cop. I mean, it's like, what? Cause like, you know, at, at the time in like the eighties, you know, it was like the cops are coming in your classroom and like teaching dare and like yeah. all of this kind of it was a treat to go up and greet them like that's how i remember it that. was yeah that weird bizarre was, like, out there <laughs> so bizarre and like i the tagline itself like you have the right right to remain silent forever, forever. like it's just it's <laughs> like it's so evocative but mm-hmm. watching it now it also it's like takes on a whole new meaning it's too relevant right now it's can- way too relevant yeah it's sad i was like this is sad (laughs) why is this like (laughs) making so much sense today i I was like sitting there watching it i was like wait this was made in the 80s are we sure this wasn't made in like 2018 because it just (laughs) like sadly feels still relevant and also even more relevant today when people are like oh yeah we don't trust the cops like "Mm mm-hmm and they uh-huh. they had that that scene in um even in the movie I, that I didn't remember where they're interviewing people on the news and okay, they're talking let's about let's talk about that one. Yeah. About that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what's your take on that? Well, I I thought it was so weird that we get we well not weird but but kind of wild that we get five different interviews. Mm-hmm. And the first one is this white woman who's basically like I told my kids you see a cop you cross the other side of the street. I see a cop, I'm out of here. But then they they flip that with um, a black man who's mm-hmm. talking about three of his friends murdered by cops, shot in the back, shot mm-hmm. when they didn't have a knife or gun, claiming the suspect had a shiny object. Cops are killing. That's why they're cops. And I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this It's this almost film... like this has always been a problem. <laughs> it, yeah. It's almost as if. Almost as if. The police system is not a good one. It has not been for a very long time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, go fucking figure. And just and and here is you know the template for it, guys. Just watch a horror film, and we you can figure out all the problems, <laughs> and maybe you can figure out how to fix this mess. But um, yeah, I was that that scene alone was just like okay, like they had that moment where um, I believe it's oh um, when Tom Atkins is speaking to the body of the first girl that gets killed. Mm. And he's like, you must have been so afraid. And then you saw a cop. And then you saw a cop. Yeah. And just like, but for me, if I had been like been chased by two guys and then saw a cop, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm fucked anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, yeah. Well, and I think it's so I think that like that line just kind of and that well, not even that line, the opening scene kind of like really encapsulates how a lot of people have always felt about cops. But even more now, it's like, hey, seeing a cop, you think they're not going to help you the way you think they're going to help you. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that very performative, like, oh, we are here to help you and like Mm -hmm. scare quotes, but actually they're scarier than the other, like than other people. Yeah. You give people uh, a lot of power and you don't really follow up on who, like the character of that person and you know, their values, like things can get out of control very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
so like the the, the opening I, the opening of the film like was immediately evocative to me with mm-hmm. the the kind of ritualistic way that Cordell puts on his uniform mm-hmm. like yeah. the camera almost like fetishizes it with like it's it's becomes like this ritualistic thing of like putting on the tie clip putting on the badge mm-hmm. loading the gun with bullets putting the handcuffs in and it freeze frames on each of those moments to like make it as like this 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 ritual and it it's it's so it's so weird to see that in a movie in the 80s yeah well yeah and like the fe- we know when people talk about the male gaze the male gaze is all about viewing the female body in parts and fetishizing a woman as parts instead of a whole mm-hmm. and so this kind of inverts that expectation and like you said fetishizes this these like symbols of safety and justice when we do know that those are actually all like not true but it is so interesting that's like i didn't think about that the way it's like inverting that idea of the male gaze but kind of sexualize not sexualizing but like you said fetishizing these marks of authority that's wild it's it's wild that they even yeah took this approach to it like you wouldn't think that they could get away with a film like this like yeah like i guess yeah, it feels like this movie shouldn't have even existed back then because they no. did such a good job of trying to portray cops as, you know, in such a good light. But I don't know how this one slipped through the cracks. <laughs> and then, um, and yeah, that whole shower scene where, you know, he's left to fight off all his, all the people he goes he's Eastern fucked Promises over. on him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Eastern <laughs> Promises, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Like he, he, um, that, that whole scene was just, well, it was low-key homoerotic. Oh, yeah. oh mm-hmm. very much. I texted Terry. I was like, oh my God, they are all naked fighting in the shower and it's going on for a very long for time. so long. Well, even before that, the camera is totally like sexualizing his body. Like, yeah. He's so weird. Sudsing up his like, his like hairy yeah. chest and like, it's like the right at the tip of his butt. Like it is, it's so erotic. It's- Wait, this movie's way more erotic than I thought. Wow, I have a lot of to think about now. That's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. Um, Bruce Campbell in this film. Oh. Mm, talking about her- erotic? Oh. <laughs> His oh. chin. Oh. oh, that guy. So it was the chin off, I guess, in this film. The, ch- the chins competed. <laughs> and, um, chin versus chin should have been the subtitle. I, I can't tell you how pissed off he made me with like, the handling of him and his wife. <laughs> okay. It was so yes. weird. I was like, what was the... Po- I mean, I, I know the point, but it also felt pointless. Yes. If that makes sense. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so mean. It's so mean. Um, she gets to the motel room and he's like, well, why did you follow me here? I'm like, what? <laughs> I meant to tell you, me? but I didn't know how to. It's like, well, oh, all God. right. Cool. And it felt so cruel to have this, like, this woman who obviously was trying to make her marriage work and was, like, mm-hmm. worried about her husband and mm-hmm. just kills her so fast. I'm like, oh, I, like, I was under the impression that this was going to be, like, it was going to be a really interesting point. Yeah. Like, a character in the movie, because I'd never seen this before, but nope, she is nope. immediately murdered. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that was a lost opportunity right there, like... Right? Clearly, you, you know, I mean, so it's produced by a man, directed by a man. You know, it's just very, yeah. you know, a lot of machismo all over the film. Oh, um, yes. Well, yeah. and like even his scene with with his wife before her untimely demise is like it, it's it's very much centered from from the male perspective. Like he's like, well, I wanted to go to therapy with you. Have I ever hurt you? Uh-huh. And she's like, I know it's wrong to be afraid of my own husband. Like, like, it is what? <laughs> totally written by a man. Like, yes. let's be honest here. Yes. He just writ in this gaslighting ass line into the script. Like, let's like, make her crazy and then make it 
make it seem even funnier when she dies. It's like, ooh, but how yeah. about not? So they, they did that, and I I really especially didn't expect them to kill her off like that because of how they took out the first person. Because she mm-hmm. fought all the way through that, yeah. and then she still got taken out, you know? Um, that actually kind of reminds me of um, Tommy's favorite uh, scene like that with Sarah Michelle Gellar. And I know what you oh, did last yeah. summer where she like... I just listened to your guys' episode. Yeah. That. <laughs> that shit makes Tommy so mad, that scene. But it was very... It's kind of similar to that, you know? Um, I also, you know, I was... As soon as I started watching, I'm like, oh, Lord, they got the, the bad Puerto Ricans now. Like, gonna <laughs> yes. rage shit. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I, I do think that that scene is really interesting, though. Yeah. Because they start off with, like, the stereotype of, like, these Puerto Rican muggers that mm-hmm. are, like, coming to assault this white woman, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does she do? She finds like, an officer. And it's, like, the inverse of, like, oh, my gosh, thank God I found an officer that's going to save me. And then he fucking breaks her neck. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's that interesting reversal that sort of hits home that, no. It's this white cop that you need to be afraid of. It was interesting to see Tom Atkins, his character, like, well, I don't believe that these two teenagers did this shit. You know, right. like, that doesn't even add up. Um, what were you going to say, though, Mary Beth? I was, I, I was, I was, I was going to, like, jump to another topic, but I actually have something interesting to say about that and how they talk about, like, mental health with cops and having them check, mm-hmm. have to like, profiles and everybody. Mm-hmm. And that was also another, like, again, like, oh, well, a discussion we're still having today. It was like making sure you're checking out, like making sure you're checking in on the mental health of these police officers and how mm-hmm. they're doing. And they're like, we don't need that. Men don't need that. It's fine. We don't need to check anyone out except for you. It's like very interesting how it continues to perpetuate this idea that like you don't need mental health help with these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, And I think Richard Roundtree Shaft, he kind of scolds um, Tom Atkins' character. He goes, didn't you like try to kill yourself, you know, like a couple years ago? And but it was done. He he said it in such a callous way. It wasn't like he cared or whatever. He was more like, you're unstable, you know. I thought I did think that that scene was really interesting, too, because like he actually feels like McCray actually feels like a, a good, a good person because mm-hmm. he's like, I want to take a look at our own people. Mm-hmm. And he gives like this whole rundown of having the police psychologist do a rundown on the cops who've been under a mental disturbance, you know, all these things. Like I want to check up and make sure that, you know, find our, our suspect. And like the response is like, Oh, this person is just basically trying to discredit the police. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I think that the like very on the nose line is, well, why don't we just test the whole damn force while we're at it? Uh, maybe, maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, but yeah, but we all know what happens if they do that. And they'll uncover a whole bunch of other shit. Uh huh. Tom Adkins, by the way, mm. like that. Were you guys shocked when they killed his character off? Like, yes, were, I was yes. so shocked. And like the whole like throwing him out of a window. That always gets me, though, when someone is very suddenly thrown out of a window. I'm like, mm-hmm. will always be very jarring to me. Are you guys uh, fans of his other work, like Night of the Creeps or um, Halloween yes. 3? Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. Yes. yes. I, so well, I didn't recognize him at first. And I looked him up. I was like, oh, my God, I know him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like he was like a feature of like my my childhood like with the fog and Night of the Creeps. Yeah. And like, oh, the fog! My mom yes. loves the fog. We love watching yeah. that one together. I I just I love I love him so much and he always plays a really good sort of like noir detective yeah you know trying to solve things like yeah I just, he's so good at that character and it it doesn't get old it really doesn't no when the moment he comes in I was like ah yes we have Tom Atkins thank God he's gonna save the day <laughs> oh, it's my so and we I'm thought. like oh <laughs> and then he didn't <laughs> yeah I will give them a, a huge nod to the film for pulling that move because it was fucked up. 
I, I yes, feel it like, was. I feel like it should have been Bruce Campbell who got killed off, but anyway. Yeah, because I was not that, like, I mean, obviously he's hot, but I didn't, I was like, what's the point of this guy? Like, yeah. it felt like Bruce Campbell was just in there to have his name behind it a little bit, because I was like, he's not really doing much for me in this movie besides Mm-mm. being pretty to look at. Yeah, like, he's, he's not he's doing just... much like crime solving or police work like yeah he's just getting in the way and like yep. i didn't do it it <laughs> wasn't like, me <laughs> i didn't kill my wife he's also a really bad like uh lie keeper like trying to keep lies because like he gets like approached by tom hackens and he's he's like well who's it oh, oh, i don't want to i don't want to get her in trouble and he's and she's like but he's like well you, you know you got to take care of her and he's like well she, you know she can shoot better than me oh is, she's on the force uh yeah it's mallory <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like- Oh, God. Like, you're not very good at this. I mean, I love Bruce Campbell, but yeah, he was just such a fucking nuisance in this film. Yeah. That makes me feel better, because I was like, am I not getting his character? Because he's just kind of, like, annoying me, even though he's cute. Like, I'm like, this is just, like... Just an excuse with Bruce Campbell in like a hero role at the very end and fall into like the nasty like... river off the truck. <laughs> oh, and that horrible stunt double. Oh my god, I was I, I was like, oh, there he goes. His body is just folding. Like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> it was so funny. And I was like, that is not you. That is clearly not you. Like, no, but that was a really good stunt though. Like, I honestly thought that that, it was, that that van was going to crush him. I did too. I know. I was, oh fuck like yeah when they went off the side of the pier and his body flipped i'm like i don't think he was supposed to flip that way with the, with the van like, i think you're supposed to push away or like anyway it that was very clever but that um homeboys they could have put a, a better wig on him or something because the guy <laughs> who fell off the side of the pier had like sh- like shaggy brown hair and I'm like that is not bruce campbell people it's it's so <laughs> funny because like i i had to rewatch um uh, Friday the Thirteenth, um, the New Blood for for a guest on a podcast. Yeah, and there's there's one there's one scene where a woman gets thrown out of a window, and like the 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 body double that they the stunt double they used is a, is a man, and like he has like these thick ass thighs, and like <laughs> his his legs are like muscular as fuck, and I'm like. <laughs> he made that character let alone a woman That's and he's so like trying funny. to like hide his face with like this, this cheap ass <laughs> wig i'm like good god um is the new one the, the, the carrie one is that the yes. one yes oh, it was god, jason so versus good. carrie That's, i love that one i really do too i i my uh coast the people i was guesting on did not but I, it's one of my favorites of theirs <laughs> it's of um series yeah uh i think me and tommy i think it was a glass on tommy's birthday yeah i they uh, did a friday the 13th marathon they played like five films in a row mm. and we and that one was a big hit in the in the theater at the alamo and I think I was on like my fourth iced coffee. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> I tell you, I love when they do like those marathons in movie theaters. Oh, I, so I went fun. to like the Nightmare on Elm Street one that was like, all, oh, that sounds like so much seven. fun. And man, by the time you are like jittery from coffee, I will tell you that. But... <laughs> oh man, that that'll give me yeah for sure. That I can get into a movie if I have like. Uh, ca- caffeine jitters mm-hmm. uh, yeah like that that's the only way i can really experience it like <laughs> kind of like the way like tommy when he it's i don't know how i watch movies with him but um <laughs> or like how he watches movies in general but like the few horror films we've actually made an attempt to see with each other he's always he has like his le- he's like in a yoga position like legs around <laughs> his head and arms and like a jacket around him and he's like drea just tell me when the thing's over and i'm like you're just gonna be like the, the whole fucking movie um, 
It's a mess. It's a su- super mess. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm talking shit about him. He's gonna be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> But um, kind of going back to uh, uh, McCray's death, the, mm-hmm. this whole movie has a very weird structure to it. Yeah. Because um, it like opens up as a slasher. Yeah. And then it kind of becomes a, a noir yes, uh, I was, conspiracy theory uh, in the movie. I was so mm-hmm. confused because the beginning, I'm like, okay, we're getting kill after kill. Like, all right, this movie is just like going in and not fucking around with like all of the deaths. And then it just yeah. stops all this. It's just like, it's like what? two or three back no it's like three back to back and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it stops and i was like wait what is this the same movie i was watching earlier it's just like got this weird 80s pacing thing where like the beginning and the end are really intense and the middle is just like a completely different movie well they, they clearly just pieced it together like whoever did that like a producer had a, a say in that and making sure like well, we need to have this straight kind of cop approach or whatever and like that's the vibe I got from it, and it also goes to say because like I have always had a hard time piecing this movie together. Like I've all oh. I've gotten scenes mixed up with other scenes from you know all the, all mm-hmm. three films mixed together to me. And, um, yeah. and watching this, I was like, I didn't, I don't remember like half these kills. I'm like, how um, it just didn't even register to me. Um, but I did like the film, like overall, the, I liked the overall vibe of it, it, it but it, yeah, it was not like, well, well edited in my opinion. <laughs> we're going to front, yeah, we're going to front load all the kills and then you'll be stuck in it. And then, and then we've got you. Ha ha. Like, I did just... kind of like what was going on with homegirl, like a uh, hobbling homegirl. Um, yes. Oh, with, uh... yes. The girlfriend of yeah. the Maniac Cop or whatever. Oh, and then that, Sally. Like, that everybody, the way they like looked at her, like, oh, well, she's a good Irish girl and she tried to kill herself, which you never do. <laughs> <laughs> I also, God, speaking of Irish, I just die that like every time a cop is mentioned, it's fucking St. Patrick's Day. It is so funny to me. I'm like, <laughs> if that's all the cops have, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> like walking around Day. in kilts. Like, what the fuck? It's just so bizarre to me. I mean, I, as someone who is Irish, it's always very strange and everyone's like, yeah, I, the cops and the Irish. I'm like, oh, I just, I don't want to have that. Um, <laughs> I don't need that association with my, with me anymore. No, thank you. I actually, um, my parents did their 23 Me's couple years ago and my dad found out like he's almost half irish which is fucking Whoa. hilarious yeah wow. it was just like oh okay <laughs> did he did he have any idea that he was like part nah. irish <laughs> oh my god Not wait that's wild like oh okay I mean, we thought I, I thought for sure you know it was like french like creole going on there mm-hmm. some stuff mm-hmm. going on but now we like irish where the fuck did that come from <laughs> amazing yeah 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 i I do overall, like, I appreciate, as much as I was mad at how they treated women, like, homegirl, the, who played, like, the undercover hooker, and. Yes. <laughs> I, lo- I love that outfit, by the way, and that hair is yes. so good. That yes. scene was, was so good. And I, I just love how, like, she picks up the John, and, and he asks, you're not a clop on, and she's like, ah, shoot, you got me. <laughs> it's like, you asked the right question, you're free to go. <laughs> Like what? Oh my god! I'll be dreaming about you though. Like oh god, yeah. this is fucking but, sick. But then there's that 
parallel at the near the end where the guy is like, oh, just tell, I deserve the raise and the promotion. Just tell me everything. And like, I know he wasn't asking for sexual favors, though I thought it was going to go that way. Oh, so did I. I, I was like, when, oh my God, he's going to assault her. <laughs> um, when he's like, we have this whole office to ourselves. I'm like, uh, uh what's going to happen? Now? Exactly. Like, no. what else do I take from that? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, it's an 80s slasher. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Nothing yeah. good. <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable for any of the women in this film. Like, no, no one was safe. No, absolutely not. And well, and then it was interesting. I think going back to we were talking about like this, you know, the kind of the racism that goes throughout this movie is when um, Sally Nolan is talking to her her cop boy, maniac cop boyfriend and is like, "I thought you were going to be killing human garbage, not innocent people." And he's only shown killing white people, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah. "I thought you were going to be killing junkies and." dealers and it's like mm-hmm. what uh-huh. does that mean uh-huh. and it just like is so interesting like the classism and the racism that just seeps into every part of this movie and like, i didn't even notice that he doesn't kill any people of color in this movie no but no I, he does well, he, he kills the commissioner he, well, the commissioner the oh. commissioner he's oh, black did i mi- oh i missed that <laughs> yeah he, yeah, he, he <laughs> really he that's kill, like really he quick kills the commissioner very quickly okay. um but other than that like his, his targets before i mean and that was like his ultimate target right was the commissioner yeah, and, and the but captain he did but like so that's that's different because he was yeah. part of the ploy or whatever yeah, yeah I, and i didn't quite understand that like i was looking at the wikipedia page and they and they were talking about how it was like this this political cover-up and conspiracy but i i don't get it i didn't yeah. get that I watched at this all. twice and i never picked that up at all i was <laughs> never nope. quite certain why he wanted to kill the commissioner except that he got put away yeah like, i mean i, was I like, guess I, he took the he took the blame for a bunch of stuff that they probably told him to do you know and that mm-hmm. that's basically what happened um it's still it's like i don't feel bad for this monster though you know like you know your, your revenge is bullshit <laughs> exactly yeah. like i don't your revenge makes no sense like you're getting revenge on what for people telling you that you suck and that you're an asshole like yeah because uh, you are an asshole and you yeah. do suck <laughs> Yeah, like the thing that um, so talking, f- flipping to talk expe- explicitly about Cordell, the mm-hmm. thing that I found so interesting was basically his characteristics that like are kind of sort of like inherent in 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 this kind of power role that he is in. So like McRae first finds the newspaper clippings, right, and it's all about like super cop raids terrorists, kills three, mafia chief slain, Cordell kills rapist bomb facility captured by Cordell. Like all of these clippings are about him killing people. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy that, that find that finds these clippings from McCray tells him like, yeah, he used to come through here and, and look at him just as much. He liked being a celebrity. He would read these newspapers, clippings about himself. And I'm like, huh? Hmm. So he has this like arrogance. The cops all tell him that, you know, tell McCray that he like believed in the old saying of shoot first, ask questions later. Mm-hmm. But he was kind though, gentle if you got to know him. What? I was like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I saw them trying to like weave in something or, you know, like this person had, has humanity. But mm. no, but all I saw was he was a monster from the start. And right. And like as soon as he walks into Rikers and everybody's like, oh, this motherfucker, like and every, <laughs> you know, everybody knows him and they can't wait to get to him. Like it's like you all that says it all right there. Like, exactly. This, right. So, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I just like I guess the question is like, does this film feel progressive or not? Or is it kind of in the gray area? Like, what it's in a gray think? area. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> it was it's just real like, gray. <laughs> yeah. All shades, all kinds of shades of gray. Um. <laughs> well, because 
are like these parts are are definitely like I feel like they're attempting to interrogate police brutality, but like maybe not fully going there all the way. Like it's almost like obviously they are more intense than a yeah. lot of other films in the eighties that were very much like cops are the best. But I feel like it try it like tries to say something, but maybe like stumbles a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't think they realized they were making a message. That's the thing. I don't. Yeah. I don't even oh, think they were. Point. I don't that's even a- think they were trying to do that. I think they were trying to. You <laughs> know, so weird. I, it just made sense. Like they, I think they all. You know, they said it in those news interviews. You know, some of us have always been afraid of them, or we've, you know, we or we know to be afraid of them now or whatnot. Um, it just made it makes sense to use that kind of character and turn it into a monster. I'm su- I'm surprised nobody's done that before per se. Yeah. Other than like I don't know Terminator Two or some shit. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I I think this film, watching it now, it, it should be watched now. I, I yeah for a lot of reasons, honestly. Um, but do I think that they yeah they weren't conscious or like or totally aware that they were there's a metaphor to this film and yeah they didn't put the, it in there intentionally. The only thing that like gave me pause about about my myself wanting to know if this was intentionally or at least trying to be in some way progressive is that it was written by Larry Cohen mm-hmm. and Larry Cohen like likes to do like to put in searing like cultural critiques in his movies like yeah. it's alive was about you know the the chemicals getting dumped in the ecology and like the mm-hmm. um the environment and it affecting kids and he did the stuff which is about consumerism oh, and like selling like so like he like he does these these movies um that sort of like takes a cultural hot topic and then kind of puts genre around it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I I I sit there and I'm like it was is he trying to do something with this or is this just I, I you know now that I think about that like me I feel like I don't feel like the message was, was as deep as we think it was, you know, like, right. especially, <laughs> you know, what, everything that's happening in the current climate. But, um, yeah, there was some kind of statement being made there. I don't know if they even had a, any kind of um, idea of what an impact or how big of a statement that would be, you know, right. to, just to even try to tap into that is um, so taboo and you're not supposed to do it. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I am impressed that. Uh, two white guys were able to, <laughs> you know, open up about this, you know, th- this boys club that's been going on forever. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was the thing that, that kind of jumped out at me, too, is the way that the cops talk about this man. Um, because, like, again, it was like this. He they, they talk about him as like a legend, like even <sighs> even um, Jack is saying, like, they don't make him they don't make cops like him anymore. He's a legend, mm-hmm. real trigger happy. Like the way that they use those language, let that those two sentences together as being, he's a legend, real trigger happy. Uh-huh. And then you take that with that, that news report and the older white man, which oh, surprised yeah. me when he's like talking about, he says they respected cops in my day. Otherwise they hit you on the head with their billy stick. Yeah, they they didn't take no gruff. Them. Now they, th- no, they were the law. Nowadays they have to shoot you to get respect. So it's like this escalation of violence mm-hmm. that this older guy is talking about about in his day yeah they just hit you with the billy club nowadays they just fucking shoot you mm-hmm. i wonder i feel like this was probably a movie where they're trying to talk about like police brutality in general and not like the more s- <laughs> pointed issues of police brutality it feels no. like it was like oh cops mm-hmm. are bad to everybody but it's yeah. like mm, well yes but so <laughs> it's like they were halfway to saying something important 
Yeah, they were <laughs> almost halfway. They were almost, almost. there. They were like almost there. There's little there. bits of things there. That You're like, okay, <laughs> okay, I get that. And like, I like that piece. Now take out this piece and like, okay, okay. So I guess like, you know, something, again, gray area. Like they were trying to say something, but 1980s, maybe they didn't. I guess, honestly, I think everything was just supposed to feed into the the, the mysticism behind this monster that they're trying to create. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, it was much as we're thinking about it, I, I really don't think they were thinking about it that much. <laughs> it's <laughs> so hard don't. not to think about it, especially just like you said, it really because is. now it's like, I wonder, this movie should be talked about, talked about at least more and like mm-hmm. shown more, because it's like, hey guys, this is important. And now, like, Drea, you mentioned that there aren't a lot of movies about like evil cops and i'm thinking about it now and there really aren't i never really ever thought about that like cops are always kind of like idiots in movies but they're not the villain yeah i mean in dramas i you know i i can okay like uh, training day you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah but that's i'm trying to think of like um other movies besides that like i guess the departed but it's not a horror uh, movie but cops are bad yeah a whole lot of shit going on in that movie uh, <laughs> just a little bit um, but it it is interesting that it cops especially in in the 80s cops if if they were in a horror movie they were just per- portrayed as being like stupid mm-hmm. or like un un unable to like do anything i'm thinking about like even uh the last house on the left where yeah. the cops are like a comedic relief point of that movie mm-hmm. or like they shit. just never seem to like solve anything <laughs> Yeah, it's the parents solve everything in Last House on the Left. You're right. <laughs> right well, the cops yeah, don't they do shit. <laughs> As in most rape revenge films, the cops don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah I mean, it's... <laughs> so one, well, one thing I like to do is I do like to go back and look at um, newspaper, or not newspaper, but like reviews, critic reviews of, of the movies from the time that it came out. And there was one from the LA Times that, that I thought was kind of interesting where it talked about how this topic begs a deeper ex- exploit, exploration of the very real fears the common citizenry have of men in blue in so many urban climes nowadays. They talk about how one only has to think of news stories about policemen convicted in murder for hire trials or the highway patrolman who pulled over young women on do- dark off ramp like so this was like a subject that was being at least discussed in in like the 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 critic reviews of this movie but they too found that (laughs) that this wasn't exactly didn't uh, quite make it it. yeah (laughs) well did this did this movie do well like in theaters do you have do we have no like this movie did um i want to say it grossed um six hundred and seventy thousand. okay what was it made Um, for like and for on a budget of one million. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Because I was, I was like, I wonder if they were maybe trying to also sanitize it for like. Well, the thing about about Larry Cohen's films know. is that he's he's like they would call him like kind of the maverick filmmaker because he would like film where he wasn't supposed to. Uh-huh. Like if he could get a shot, he would like he would he would do it, and he would like kind of. <laughs> break laws to like get get like film filming so that he could do it done on the cheap so like i don't think that this movie ever was meant to make a big like theatrical budget i think that they were kind of hoping it would do well as like the 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 vhs market mm, okay quick cool. he wrote it but he didn't direct it no yeah it was william lustig okay okay also have you i think Dre, you said you've seen two and three right mm-hmm. are they like, uh, how, can you? Are they worth they watching? Away, yeah, they they're go, worth watching. They're for wa- sure. oh, okay. Okay. They, well, yeah, it picks up and it brings back in Bruce Campbell, and then they bring in um, 
homeboy he, from the Goonies, the uh, the guy with the scars on, on his face. You know the from the Fratellis. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Now, what? yeah, they, I can't think of what his name yeah, is, but, but yes, you know I know exactly about. who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that I just remembered the Fratellis. I know. I was like, damn, I like that. (laughs) But yeah, he's he's up in it. Yeah, the Goonies is so good. I just watched it at the drive-in up the street from my parents' house. (gasps) They have a drive-in like two blocks away from here. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, I'm so sad to like be leaving here because like just to be able to go see a movie like in that kind of way is so nice. Well, they've been doing a lot of really good releases in in the drive-in. Like, yeah. they've been releasing a bunch of, like, indie horror there, yeah. which I think is really cool. Yeah, I don't want to see the New Mutants because it looks stupid, but Tommy wants to me to see it for him, so I'm going to go watch it. But that shit looks like a waste of money. Um, <laughs> That's kind of what from I'm what I've heard it is, but... <laughs> They're playing Tenet over there. I want to see Tenet really bad because I'm not going to have the opportunity to see that in the theater, so... Right, same. In the future, yeah, looking into... Since, like, that's where things are going... You know, I feel like more people should be renting out drive-ins and having nights, you know? Just yes! That's mm-hmm. the way to go. Because, like, God, I love going to the movies. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, all of the movie theaters near me are closed anyway, but I wouldn't be going. So I need to find a drive-in near me, but I haven't been able to find one. Where are you guys at? Um, I'm on the East Coast. I'm in Maryland. Okay. I'm in Nebraska. Okay. So there's no drive-in theaters, like, within, like, even an hour of you guys? I don't think no, so. No, ours closed. Aww. They closed ours, like, in the mid-2000s, like, around 2010. It's been closed, mm. and I'm really sad about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. But I feel like people are – that's a new investment. People are really taking over that market right now. They're bringing mm-hmm. drive-ins, like, uh, cross-country drive-ins where, you know, they can just bring a, bring a screen and the whole thing. Yeah, I feel like this is like that's a market we ever all of us should be tapping into just to kind of, you know, make sure people see these films, you know? Yeah. Now, um, going with the the legacy of this movie, uh, Nicholas Reffin, mm-hmm. another white man, is making <laughs> a HBO series of this. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, of Maniac Cop? Of Maniac Cop. Okay. Nick, Nick, Nicholas, uh, he did, did he did that stuff with Mads Mikkelsen? He, he, did drive, did, he did drive. He did the Neon Demon, and he did drive. Okay, okay. Um, what was the first one he did? You said uh, Neon, the Neon Demon. Oh, those are the only two he's done. Is that drive and uh, then? No, he no, said, he did Bronson. The place okay. beyond the place beyond the pines. A lot oh, of like okay, a lot of okay. Ryan Gosling and like with tattoos and being like a brooding boy with a gun. I don't know if I need him to do that. But we'll see. <laughs> right. As long as like they, the- they get the right writers on the staff, I don't know. They they could take – I had no idea that this is happening, but maybe they're actually going to tackle it in the proper way. I don't know. Well, the synopsis is set in Los Angeles. Maniac Cop is told through a kaleidoscope of characters from cop to common criminal. <laughs> a killer in uniform has uncaged mayhem <laughs> upon the streets. Paranoia leads to social disorder as a city wrestles with the mystery of the exterminator in blue. <laughs> okay. And he is quoted as saying, given the current state of the world, Maniac Cop will also have a strong commentary on the decline of civilization. Okay, hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) Decline of civilization seems seems pretty... mm, The wording of that Mm -hmm. is fascinating. Can you, like... It just feels like such yeah. a cop out. Like, can we just like make these things about what they're about, like racist cops and the, like the fucked up shit happening in the world that is like systemic racism, and just like talk about it? It's like stop trying to make it like sugarcoat it and make uh-huh. it sound appealing for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
Just mm-hmm. stop. It's so Somebody frustrating. Somebody did that, though, or there's already a title behind that, The de- Decline of Western Civilization, which I was just <laughs> watching the other day. I'm like, anyway, yeah, just let's just tackle the what the issue is here. Like They target right. spe- people specifically, and that is a real thing. Everybody knows it. It's not a myth, you nope. know? So it, it, if you're going to do this topic, you better fucking do it right. And mm-hmm. otherwise, yep. that's why we exist, to critique the hell out of them if they fuck up. Yeah, like, oh, what's, yeah. The, what's the fucking point of doing this over and over again if you're not actually going to talk about the problems and just mm-hmm. make it, like, something for mass consumption? It's, like, that's not – it's just a waste of people's time and of energy and of money yeah. to, like, create something that's so vapid, I guess. It's just, like – Absolutely. Did you say this is going to be on HBO or what's it going to be on? It's going to be on HBO. It's been well, greenlighted by HBO. I trust and HBO. I do trust yeah, a lot of their content. They do have do some too. good – they have – I mean, they have some really awesome stuff and continue to, so – I'm I'm a little concerned about who he's doing it with. His name is John Hyams, who I'm mm-hmm. not familiar with 100%, but he is credited in this like deadline article as as being like the creator behind Universal Soldier Regeneration. <laughs> so <laughs> like Dolph Lundgren and shit. Oh my god. Oh, god. oh lord. Well, hopefully the writers room is good. <laughs> like Jesus. I, I hope so. It's like all you can do is just pray that they have a good amount of good people that writing. That sounds like a mistake, but here we go. Here we are. <laughs> oh, they did so. HBO did so well with Watchmen. Don't fuck it up. Oh man, I just had my parents re- uh, watch Watchmen. They were my dad's like, "Well, we can still get a season two. I'm like, "Well, we could, but we don't want one because no, it ended we, perfectly. We don't need it a season perfect. two. Please don't do it. it. Don't do it." And my dad's like, "I, I need another." <laughs> I'm like, no, you're perpetuating this annoying thing that we need multiple seasons of television. <laughs> No, um, they tried to do the same with Michaela Cole, like with um, her last show, Chewing Gum, or the show before that. Oh yeah, they tried it. Like she only wanted to do one season, and they like forced it out of her. Um, yeah. Also, I heard a story. Not to get totally off subject, but uh, um, that's fine. But uh, she she was talking about um, while she was working at Netflix, and she did the second season. She came to set one day and found out found that all the black people were in one trailer and every white cast member had their own separate no. trailer. Ex- no. Excuse me? I mean, on her show. No. On her fucking show? Yes. I mean, she immediately wouldn't set something and it was handled, but like, the fuck? The fact that that even like happened. Yeah. Um, wow. 2020. They were trying to get more out of her with I May Destroy You, but it's a true story. And yeah. you can't, like, and it's a very sensitive subject. Yes. You know, you can't, oh, just give us more. Like, that's not how that works, you know? Uh, it's not. And especially, it's like, uh, like obviously, the story, I need to watch that show still. I really want to watch it. Oh, but it's you like love this it. It's a lot, but it's really, yeah. really well done. Like, oh, this, goodness. obviously, those are the stories that people want to be told. And, like, if it's affecting, it's, like, effective enough in its one season, there's no point. I feel like you ruin something if you try to stretch it more. Yes, and it, like, loses yes. that significance that it's had. It's greedy to want It is, more. yes. It's greedy. Um, I'm like that the the new season of The Boys. Do you guys watch The Boys? I have not watched the new season, but I loved the first Ooh, season. Oh, my goodness. I finally, that this new season's great. And they're not releasing yes. the whole season at once. Yes, I oh, saw that. Yes. Which I, I prefer. Because I, if I watch something all at once, I will, I won't grasp everything the same way you know right. like there are just be certain moments that just won't be captured versus when i can just let a show like marinate for like a, a week yeah and then come back to it and then okay this makes sense here and there but and yeah, that's they, how, yeah. Oh, sorry mm-hmm. okay. and that's how i watched watchmen and i think i'm really yeah. glad i watched like that's one of those shows that i was really glad i didn't binge watch because i feel like you can actually really think about it and not just be like okay cool next episode without like 
any kind of critical thinking about what you saw. Yeah. I uh, Well, and it becomes like a, a rush to watch it, too, when it's just dropped, right? Because, like, yeah. you know, if you don't watch it this weekend, everyone's going to be talking about the whole it. series. That's the other thing. They'll ruin it for you. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's the worst. I also don't like... It's hard for me not to get influenced by other people's opinions. Oh, yes. You know? Mm. So yes. if I see a review, like, by somebody who got to see it earlier, I'm like, I don't want to see that yet. Like, have some grace and, like, give me a week, you know? But, um... I, yeah, I'm super uh, loving this season of The Boys. It's it's very frustrating, but I'm really glad they they, they released three episodes up front, and then um, I was gonna wait and hold off for the third episode, but I, I ended up watching it yesterday. <laughs> and, um, and but it's it's really good. I think it has Homegirl from um, she was on this show on FX, and it was about this really awful couple. <gasps> um, You're the worst. Yes. Yeah, it has uh, a yes. Aya Aya Cash. What? I think yeah. her name is. Oh my god. <laughs> I that was what sold me on wanting to like because I didn't watch the first season yeah. and like everyone's talking about how she's on the season I'm like oh shit okay I gotta get caught up because I love you're the worst yeah, and I love her I do so too. much I every time I put on that show I'm like how can I get through this shit like I used to live around that area like Silver Lake Echo Park and that so that <laughs> show would just like oh it would really drive me up the wall but it was so fucking funny it really was. I yeah I really liked that show a whole bunch um she's wonderful in it and she well oof, yeah i won't say anything else it was it's a doozy yeah i'm gonna have to like once i'm because i'm just now getting over all my festival coverage so i'm i'm trying to get back into like being able to watch things that i want to and i'm that's been on the top of my list yeah are you also are you guys watching lovecraft country i am i'm covering it with uh one of my fellow queer writers nice. i want to watch it but my my partner is in the, is almost done with the book so he wants to start watching it when he finishes the book so oh he's got God, like so a couple pages wait. i know he's got a couple <laughs> pages left and then we're gonna start watching it but i'm you really can, excited to watch it yeah oh you're gonna yeah i am um, i'm trying to i usually don't do this but i got the audiobook and i'm like whatever let me just go ahead and i don't want to get too far ahead in it but i just want to know everything about this show um, yeah. And it's been really interesting to see because it was written by uh, a white man who did mm-hmm. really uh, – it was very thoughtful and careful the way he covered this subject, I mean, which is how he had to cover it. Yeah. Um, and then they handed it over to – and they brought uh, writers of color onto it. And then they yep. gender swapped a lot of roles. And yes, they did. It's, it's amazing. I'm really, really blown away by it. I will say that this week's episode, the ending of it kind of pissed me off. Oh, that made me so mad. Uh, Tommy says, all I got was a text from Tommy that said, Montrose is dead to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, the ending of this with the way they handled the two spirited character just really. Everyone seems very, very angry. I mean, like, rightfully so, like, very pissed off that, like, that was the fucking, like, line they decided to take with that character. Yeah. And I, I love me some Michael K. Williams. Um, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a, I really like Ruby's character too. Ooh. Oh, I do too. And that scene. And I, oh, <laughs> oh my God. That scene was so hot. It's so hot. <laughs> I was like, get you some of that alabaster D. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right <laughs> right. like, good God. Oh my oh God. My God. Uh, it I was, was a really sexy scene. Although I will say that I don't think having sex on a staircase is exactly that ain't comfortable. My, that like, no. that is not even like, possible. Uh, like. um, anyway, do we want to? Give- <laughs> <laughs> I know we're just all over the place. <laughs> do we want to give Maniac Cop a rating out of five? Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I'll, I'll cool. give it um out of five. I'll give it like two and a quarter stars. Well, we got to give it a rating out of Bruce Campbell's chins, though. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. two, and, two and a quarter Bruce Campbell's chins. Okay. <laughs> Terry, how many how many Bruce Campbell chins out of five do you give Maniac Cop? Um, I give it two. I think okay. it's um. I I think that there's like some interesting societal things that are being examined through it, but. I don't think a lot of it was purposeful or handled as well as it probably could have been. And as a slasher, I thought it was kind of boring. Although I will say that I did love them drilling out the poor guy that was in the cement. That was amazing. I was <laughs> oh, like, I was God. very excited for that energy and they did nothing with that energy. And I was no. very upset. <laughs> no, they didn't. So yeah, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a two, two Bruce Campbell chins, which I guess is better than, than one Bruce Campbell chin in the world. <laughs> Um, what about you, Mary? Beth? I also give it to Bruce Campbell chins. I thought it was very interesting, but like not quite purposeful enough. And like you said, it had a lot of potential at the the beginning, and I was excited, and then it just kind of sputtered into nonsense. And you know, I'm, it was an enjoyable watch, and I think it's a really fascinating film that probably should be talked about and looked at more. But at the same time, it's like not exactly saying the thing I think it wants to say. Yeah, wasn't intentional. No, but, um, it's like they thought they were doing the something. Final, but I appreciate and, the effort. <laughs> yeah, and you have the final word, Dre. What What do you think of this movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, just off based off that, you know, I, I maybe I might even take back that quarter. Honestly, of, 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 of Bruce Campbell Chen, I you guys make me want to because you know I'm giving. I, I I will just say that the the character still. It, it does kind of creep me out, the the mm-hmm. main guy. And I'll give them that. And um, we'll see what happens with this spinoff, if they're actually going <laughs> to be successful with that. Because that sounds like a hot mess. That could be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. But yeah, I, I would recommend everybody see this movie. It's If you got Shudder, one, two, and three are right on there. And it's two and three, I would say, get pretty it gets all over the place but it's worth I know, a watch i know that uh the director bill lustig thinks that two is is kind of the sweet spot like that's mm-hmm. the movie that like he wanted wanted to make and he thinks it's it's the best of of the trilogy yeah i think that's when the mo- the character really they figured it out more and he went mm-hmm. full-on monster and they okay. didn't really it wasn't it was like kind of they're not trying to humanize him anymore mm-hmm. uh, and that worked better cool huh. cool Maybe I'll check that out. well yeah Thank you, Drea, so much for joining us to talk about Maniac Cop. Where can our listeners find you, and what do you have that you'd like to share? Um, well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you guys can find me. Uh, uh, my Instagram page is uh, at Scream Queen Podcast, and my handle is Hey Girl Hey. That H E Y G R L H E Y. And coming up, uh, Tommy and I, yeah, we're just continuing season three. Look out for the audio version of the podcast, and we're going to continue putting our cute faces out there too so you can see us <laughs> um and yeah more more to come in the, in the future awesome. awesome so listeners you've heard from us we want to hear from you what was your experience with maniac cop send us an email at scarred for life podcast at gmail.com or reach out directly to us on twitter i'm at mb mcandrews and i'm a gaily dreadful and of course keep the conversation going by chatting with the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast and please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.